my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. Coming up later in today's Clark Rageous Moment, you file a claim with your insurance company after something happens in your life, auto insurance, homeowner's insurance, whatever, and the next thing you know, the police are accusing you of a criminal act. I'll tell you what you need to know. And coming up yet later, using these instant payment apps on your phone can be great. It can also be really dangerous. I'm going to tell you what you need to know to protect yourself and who seems to be best at it in terms of protecting you. So I want to talk about an industry that has long had a cloud over its head, and now that cloud has burst forth with violent thunderstorms for your wallet. It's the sale of annuities by banks and insurance companies. There was an ugly story I read in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette about how a customer of PNC Bank was sold an annuity she didn't even know she bought. She had put money in to be in savings, and she went in to get the money, get some of the money out, and she was told by PNC, you can't have your money because you bought an annuity with it. She said, I did? And she was one of those people who doesn't go away quietly. Her last name is Clark. So, I mean, that's where she learned it, right? It's great if you have the name Clark, right? You learn to fight for yourself. It's Deborah Clark. And so all her life savings, $65,000 suddenly was under lock and key. This woman, around 70 years old, ends up with no access to her money. And then PNC stonewalls her. Pennsylvania Department of Insurance says, we can't do anything for you. We can't find any violations in taking your money. The bank said, well, we'll cancel it, but we're going to keep nearly $17,000 of the money in surrender charges for giving you your money back for something she never even knew she was buying. This is a woman who worked hard her whole life, a worker at a hospital, worked in the hospital 36 years, and this was what she had for her life savings, and PNC said tough. The regulators said tough. Now, the interesting story is PNC washed their hands of it and said, That's the way it is, even though the person who sold it to her mysteriously wasn't with the bank anymore, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And how did she get her money back? Because once they did the story about this, the bank made a decision to just send her money back in whole. But you know, not everybody's going to be part of a 
television news story or be part of a major newspaper news story. But she didn't go away quietly even when she had her money back. And she talked about the whole experience, everything that happened. And it is just a warning for you. PNC may normally do everything just right. You know, they're one of the nation's largest banks. But I want you to know that sales of annuities that had quieted so much when there were new rules going into place that were going to require that the sellers of annuities took on a fiduciary duty, meaning that they could only do something that was in your best interest. And then those new requirements were pushed aside. And then the sale of these piece of trash annuities skyrocketed again. Indexed annuities, variable annuities, fixed index annuities, fixed annuities. I want you to know that these are products that insurance companies, insurance salespeople, bank employees, and banks push, 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 push. Why? Because they have massive, massive, humongous, unconscionable fees and commissions. And then once you're in, you're in with huge fees to get out, known as surrender penalties, that can go on for 10 or more years that wipe out a huge amount of your money. But the worst part is these contracts allow the insurance companies to change the terms of these stinking, rotten, awful, terrible annuities pretty much at any time in the future where they can change what's promised to you, but you are still a prisoner. In addition, the tax treatment generally is not favorable in these things. When somebody starts talking about an investment they have for you, and they're not telling you what it is, just ask the question, is it an annuity? If they start hemming and hawing, or don't want to tell you, or finally say, yes, it's an annuity, say, have a nice day, and walk out the door. Steve is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Steve. Hey, how's it going, Clark? Great, thank you. Now, you want to talk about real investing, not fake junk like what the insurance companies and the banks peddle with these annuities. Yeah, man, this episode is probably going to get flagged explicit by iTunes for uh, how many times you just dropped that four-letter word. I know. You know, on our on our show, if people are not aware, annuity is a cuss word, and I cussed over and over again, so I should absolutely be um, blocked by <laughs> iTunes or any other podcast source. So what's up? Yeah, well, uh, had a quick question for you. Um, I have two children, a 10-year-old and a 3-year-old, so they're both pretty young, obviously not working, and we talk a lot about savings and all Wait that. Wait a minute. The 10-year-old, you don't have the 10-year-old working 30 hours a week or something? Like well, in the salt mines or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so obviously, you know, we can't do any sort of, of IRA for them, but um, I want to get them excited about investing. And I was thinking um, it's hard for, for them at their age to kind of wrap their brain around the idea of mutual funds, even though those are probably preferable. Um, but I'd love to find a way where, where they could just buy like a few shares of stock in the companies that they really love, like the toys that they love and things like that. 
um, thinking that that would get them a little more excited about tracking and, and following the business success and that sort of thing. Um, but I'm having a hard time figuring out where the best place is to do that because all the uh, custodial accounts that I've found are pretty limited to mutual funds rather than individual stocks. So hoping you uh, might have some advice there. So I don't know if you've seen M1 yet, which is an app that you can download to your iPhone or your Android. M1finance.com is the website, and you can see how it works. And you can actually buy tiny amounts of a company's stock. And so your child can develop his or her own portfolio. Now, here's the tricky part. Um, I don't think they do custodial accounts, but there's no reason you can't own an account that is app-based and you tell your 10-year-old, this is your money, this is your account, and then at a later time, you can gift any individual, at this point under the law, up to $15,000 completely without any tax implications or gift tax or anything like that. So you could have this as an account till your 10-year-old is old enough to have the account or have these holdings or have the money, and then later, which in most states would be 18 or 21. But as far as it would be working... Uh, you let your 10-year-old uh, have the app, control the investing, and all that. Okay. And that's so that's M1, like just the letter M and the number one? Yeah, m1finance.com. You can see how it all works. And as best I remember, there's no fees. There's also Robinhood. Have you heard me mention Robinhood? Yes, I'm not familiar with it, though. So Robinhood is another app for your iPhone or Android that allows you to do stock trading free. Oh, wow. And so these are both, they work a little differently. So look at both of them and see which one would fit your goals more. And I would say at this point, this is really just for your 10-year-old. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. I mean, it was more, you know, you kind of want to include the three-year-old just so it's fair, but she's, you know, right now I can no, it's five No, the, the three-year-old's three year fine, just... <laughs> Just let your three-year-old watch uh, your three-year-old's favorite movie from Disney, and they're good. They're happy. Yeah. Yeah, good call. So <laughs> I, had a, I had something crazy happen when I was a uh, newborn. One of my uncles gave me, I think it was one share of the stock in Walt Disney Company. Cause, and you back then got a stock certificate, and it was so cool, you know, it had uh, Mickey Mouse on it, I think, at that point. And I held that stock for decades, and that one share actually became real meaningful money uh, 40 years later. So, wow. So yeah, you, so maybe I should get something for the three-year-old. I, I guess you could. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just really one of those odd things that, that my late uncle did for me, and it sure worked out. So who knew that that would turn out to be such a great thing. And, you know, a lot of the discount brokers will allow you to set up a custodial account like Schwab and Fidelity with no minimums and no fees for a kid. And so you can use one of their apps, and it'll be actually the child's account for your 10-year-old and 3-year-old. You can open two accounts, and then everything can be app-based with either of them, and your child 
can be involved with the investing and see an account that actually is legally their account that you're managing as custodian for them. Just an idea. Mitch is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mitch. Hello. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. What's going on, Mitch? Well, I received a short uh, letter from my mortgage company, and they're writing to let me know that I may be eligible to have my escrow canceled if I meet certain requirements. And other than me having the money myself and earning interest possibly, I'm not sure what the ins and outs of this would be. So I'm stunned because I'm not familiar with uh, banks sending out letters to their mortgage holders telling you, yippee, if you want to dump us doing escrow, you can do it because escrow is generally a very profitable thing for banks and mortgage lenders and mortgage servicers because they don't pay you interest. Yeah, they don't pay you interest on the money of yours that they're holding over the course of a year to pay uh, taxes and cover your homeowner's insurance for you. So in this letter, do they say they're going to charge you a half a percent fee or one percent fee or something if they remove escrow? No mention of a fee of any sort. Okay, I would I would check to see if there is any fee because I've had people call me who got a letter like yours, but it was a trade-off. They had to pay a fee that was a, uh, like a half a percent of their loan balance or something like that in order to remove escrow. And mm-hmm. so if it's completely free and, and you're really detailed and you'd make sure the taxes and insurance were paid on time every year, then why not no, no longer do escrow? I, I agree. It's, I was just curious. I was missing something or, like I said, it never was being done either. No, I, I have no idea what they're thinking. So that's why I would call and say, what's the deal? Do I have to pay anything? What do I have to do to do this? If they say you have to pay anything, say thank you very much and just keep them escrowing for you. But if it is completely fee-free, then dump the escrow. Over and over again, you hear me talk about when you're shopping for auto or homeowner's insurance, that you want to make sure that the company you're looking at to buy insurance from is one that's really there for you when you have a claim. And I talk about which companies routinely get the highest ratings in terms of how they handle you, their customer service, during a claim. But I want to talk about a whole different scale from a BuzzFeed investigation about insurers when they're investigating a big claim for auto or homeowners, thinking that you're a crook and behind your back going to the police to try to get you criminally charged. It is shocking to read this BuzzFeed investigation about the insurance company you've been paying premiums to deciding that because you had a claim that obviously you're a crook and you ought to be in jail. Uh, This happened to someone who used to work on, when I used to do a TV show, who worked on my TV show, who had just moved into a house. I mean, hadn't even unpacked boxes yet when the house had a fire. And the insurer investigated him as a fraudster, that he had arsoned his own house. And it was such an outrageous thing because 
the poor guy had had so many things happen to him all at once to then be accused of torching his own house was beyond Clark Rages. But I want you to know this is a whole different league with insurers working in cahoots with police trying to get the police to start a criminal investigation because they don't want to pay your claim. Hopefully this is more rare than the BuzzFeed account has. But I want you to know that raises the stakes about why I always encourage you to be with a company that rates the highest on how they deal with claims, not just look at the cost of auto or homeowner's insurance. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you should go each and every day to look for the best deals out there for stuff you're thinking of buying. Okay, there's a new report that the Cash App, the one that producer Joel has loved forever, has now eclipsed Venmo to be the top app out there for sending money to family and friends. I want to put a special emphasis on what I just said, to send money to family and friends. Because Venmo and the Cash App, Cash Apps from Square, do a very efficient job at what they were set up to do, which is a common example is if you go to dinner with four people and one of them is trying to get enough points for that free airline ticket, and they say, please let me pay for this. I need those points. And the rest of you, they weren't paying for it. They were just talking about how the bill would be paid. Then people use the Cash App or Venmo to square up with the individual who's trying to get those points on the card or whatever it is. And so it's very easy with the Cash App or Venmo to send money to someone. But who that someone is is very important. And I want you to know that there are a number of cons out there. And I don't want you sending money. Let's say you find something you want to buy online on uh, any website, Craigslist, eBay, whatever. And they say, hey, we'd like to be paid on Venmo. We'd like to be paid with Cash App. Or sometimes they may say they want to be paid on, um, on Zelle. And so you do that. You pay them with one of these. And then they vanish into the night. Your money's gone. So important that you understand that when you use these apps, your money is gone. And that's why these apps are great as they are. Zelle and Cash App, as great as they are. Only, only use them to pay somebody you know, period. Okay, the third one is being pushed in bank statements every month and all that. Uh, it'll be in, in your bank's app on your phone. It will be referred to as the bank's way of sending money, or they will tell you it's Zelle. Do not use this. Do not use Zelle. I've said that before. Zelle does not have any meaningful consumer protections, and they do not stand behind it. If you make a clerical error, they say, ah, well, the money's gone. 
we offered the Zell people a chance to go on the air. And they said they did want to go on the air. And then when we said, okay, you can go on the air. And then they vanished, just went away because they knew they didn't have a story to tell because they don't protect you. The banks don't care. They do not protect you with Zelle. When you see an option in your bank's app to send money to a friend or family member, do not use it. Do not use it. It's Zelle by any other name. Don't do it. It is dangerous. And the banks don't care. Let me repeat that. The banks don't care if they harm you. If you do want to send cash to a family member or a friend, whichever one you decide to use, uh, Zelle and Cash, I mean, Venmo and Zelle, uh, Venmo and Zelle, I'll keep the Zelle's on the mind. Cash App and Venmo have pretty much equal numbers of people who have downloaded them, somewhere around 60 million each. They've proven the test of time. But remember, never to a stranger, only to a friend or family member, and never, 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 not ever, unless they decide to improve the consumer protection of it, never use Zelle, period. Harry's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Harry. How are you doing? Uh, just fine, thank you. How can I be of service to you? Well, I just had a quick question. I think you talked about it some time ago. There's an app that you could put your email on and it would tell you all the registrations or subscriptions that's associated with it. You can delete what you want to and only keep what you want. Yeah, Unroll is the name of it. Unroll.me Okay. So, a uh, funny thing happened. It's, fu- it's really ironic you're calling about this today because just a few days ago, my wife got a notice from her email that she had used up all her capacity for it and she either had to delete emails or buy storage from them so i told her about unroll.me and she didn't use it instead uh, she started looking through her email and when she'd see one she'd put it in the search box find all of them she said i don't need any of those and just deleted all of them now she's so proud because she's deleted 90% of the emails that were in her email in basket. But she still hasn't done what unroll.me does, which is stop having all those emails come from whoever it is who's sending them to her. So I guess she likes having all those things. If you don't like them, try unroll.me, and there's no cost for it. All right. Cool. Thank you. Sure. And I've not heard any, I've been talking about this for years, not heard any complaints about it. And I don't know exactly how they do all this for free. Kim says not true. Correct me. We actually uh, covered a story at one point where we found out that Unroll.me does sell your information, which is not the end of the world for a free service, but definitely something oh, that people kind of should like keep Credit in mind. Karma or something like that, where they give 100%. it for free, but you pierce your privacy. Exactly. So, the, so that is the only negative feedback that we've gotten. Okay. 
Thank you, Kim. But nobody's You're ever welcome. complained that they did something nope. bad to him or whatever. Not a once. Okay. Thank you. Laura's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Laura. Hi, Clark. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Well, great to have you here, Laura. How can I be of service to you? So about five years ago, I had no idea what my credit score even was. Um, luckily, my parents got me to start paying attention um, to my finances. And between them and you, um, I've gotten it from about a 520 to a 760. Um, I have really? A yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a huge change because 520 is um, low subprime, meaning right. that um, that there were a lot of things you were doing and not doing that uh, <laughs> obviously made that happen. Yeah. And now you're at 760? Yeah, 760. Um, and I, I, I um, just bought my first home. This is exciting. So yeah. share with your fellow listener, what changes did you make and how long did it take for you to rehabilitate your credit standing? It was about five years. Um, well, to get into you know a decent score, it was probably about three. Um, but it was really just paying attention, um, you know, checking my credit score all the time, making sure everything's paid on time, trying to put a little bit away, um, you know, just a little few, a little bit of change here and there, rolling that over into a savings account, and just making sure you pay your bills. That's wonderful. So that's great. So, I mean, that's 36 months, which is the time it took you to get to a healthy score. That's a yep. measurable time. That's not the end of the world. And, you know, I talk about why three years or 36 months is a key measurable time that you can make substantial changes in how you handle money. And here you are in terms of your score, proving that in your case, that was absolutely true. Yeah, no, it's great. It wasn't that hard. Started with a secured credit card and went from there. Great. Well, how can I be of service to you today? Because you've been of great service to yourself. <laughs> well, I have, you know, a little bit of a uh, rainy day fund. I'm doing my 401k and I just bought the house. But I still have um, credit card debt. And I know you say to pay off the credit card debt before you put the rainy, rainy day fund away. But should I only concentrate on paying off my credit card debt, or should I also be contributing 401k and um, paying extra principal on my home? Should I be doing both or none of the above, only credit cards? Definitely not paying extra principal on your home. Okay. If you're getting to either or kind of situations, 401k is important for long term. And does your employer offer any kind of match on the 401k? They do, but it's only... 25, 25 cents on the dollar up to 5%. All right, so let's think about that. So you put 5% in the employer 401k, then you have an instant 25% return on that 5%. So even though it's only 25%, it's still great because that means that your 5% is now instantly 6 point, was that 6.25, 6.125? Six point okay. one two five. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm in math class now. It's still yeah six point one two five. I'm going to go with that. That's my final answer. I agree. Uh, so that's an enormous advantage because it then means that your money has a chance to grow on that larger base. Every dollar you put in becomes a dollar and a quarter. So that's okay. really valuable to you. Okay. Um, so. Oh. 
that's definitely the baseline of what you want to put in the 401k. So before you put more in it, anything else going towards the credit card balance would be great because credit cards carry an interest rate on average of somewhere around 18%. 17 on both, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that. If you've got 17% interest rate cards, do you have a credit union at your place of work? I do not. I do have them locally, but not at work. Okay, so join a community, what they call a community credit union, a local credit union. Because okay. credit union interest rates on credit cards, particularly with someone with your credit score, tend to be half of what the national average is on a bank credit card. Okay, and just do like a balance transfer? Balance transfer, and then think about it, it means so much more of every dollar you pay towards the credit cards is going towards principal instead of interest. Okay, okay, so I should do 401k up to the match and then get to a credit union and pay both of those. Exactly. And, okay. And so that just is another step on the process you're on to get where your finances are steadily improving better and better and better okay great i really appreciate your help thank you and congratulations to you on the path you've been on and all the good things you've been able to do about money and i hope that you have in fact inspired others who feel like they're never going to rehab their credit standing and credit score you sure made that happen mark is with us on the clark howard show mark how are you doing very good, Clark. How are you doing? Good, thank you. I uh, understand that uh, you've lost your mom and you got some questions about that. I'm sorry that you lost your mom. Yeah, thanks. It's been a while, but kind of a family situation. Uh, before she passed, she gave, it was a resort house to myself and my two brothers. Roughly been about 18 years ago. So my one brother, you know, he'll use it all the time throughout the season. My mother brother's out of state, doesn't use it. Uh, you know, in the beginning of it, I just I wanted to be bought out. I just partnerships normally uh, don't work out. My oh no, no, <laughs> they don't work out. You said yeah. usually, just yeah, leave yeah. it as don't. <laughs> and my my brother is a really good guy, but I just knew between the two of us, it, it would never would have worked out. So I don't I don't pay any bills on it. I don't use it. The deed is in all three of our names. It's not titled survivorship. So if something happens to one of us, it'll be passed down to our you know our heirs. And that'll, you know, even add more owners. So my situation is, you know, on one hand, I don't want to get in an argument with my brothers cause any problems. But, you know, the other thing, I just, I don't want to walk away from, you know, her. And I just wish there was a, you know, easy solution, you know, where everybody could walk away happy. It's not sure what to do. Sure. All right. So there's not an easy answer to this because you got an imbalanced situation. You got one brother who's getting all the benefit from inheriting the place, and the other two of you are just along for a ride you're not interested in. So normally the fair way to do it is the brother who uses it all the time buys the two of you out, buys your shares out, and then it becomes after he's not with us anymore or he doesn't want to use it anymore, then his kids get the benefit of it. But right now, not his fault, but he's just a freeloader off of you and your brother. And that's what's going on, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to say when, I, when we first got the house, I just said, look, just, you know, like I say, take, 
buy my ass out of it out. And he, he didn't feel that he should have to do that. Why not? So, I really don't know. Now, wh- sure. How about your other brother? Has he just washed his hands of it, or what's his he, story? He kind of has emotional ties to it. He would want to. He wants to keep it, but he never uses it. So I'm really not sure why he wants to keep it. I guess in the family, that's his wish. So how much is it worth at this point? I would guess maybe about three hundred seventy-five thousand. Wow. I mean, that's something you shouldn't walk away from. I'm afraid to bring it up to my brother. Like I say, it'll turn into an argument. I'm not sure if there was if it ever gets to a point if it's if there's legal recourse, like a lawyer. Because if I had to force his hand, if he didn't want to do anything, hopefully it would never come to that. But the time that that you can use the services of a lawyer to try to force something probably are not right now where you're at status quo. But what you're hoping to be able to do is get the money that your share is worth. The two of them have each have half of your share, so they own it 50-50, and you're out. Yeah. And yeah. so what I would do is I would write both of your brothers a letter. Don't have a phone conversation with them. Don't talk to them when you're in person. Just write them a very friendly letter, not a formal letter, and say that you don't use the house, you're not interested in it, you don't have a sentimental attachment to it, and you'd like each of them to buy out half of your share. You don't do that in a phone call because it doesn't create an action they need to look at. So that's why I'd write each of them, send them each the same letter, just say, here's the deal, I, I don't want this, both of you do, I'd like you both to buy me out. And what if it comes back as a no? Is there? Then you go see a real estate lawyer. The real threat to both of your brothers is likely you could sell it to a third-party stranger, your share. They're not going to want that. But start with just a friendly approach. If you got blown off by your brothers, go see a real estate attorney and see what your rights are and know that you each have a responsibility to respect the others And if they just stonewall you, they're not respecting you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.